it's kind of like, kind of like Wednesday night supper, kind of a lot like Wednesday night supper because it's supper and it's on Wednesday night. Um, so we do kick off February the 6th with the big gathering, RS together, and then that's followed by five weeks of classes, and then there's a break, and then we do it again. And then there's a break for the summer, and then we do it again, and then there's a couple of week break, and then we do it again, and then we break for December and January. So we have two goals, build community and equip the saints, because those are really the jobs of the church, uh, to build community and to equip the saints. And so uh, be praying about that, and uh, February the 6th, you're going to be hearing more and more about this uh, in the weeks to come, and then February the 6th, we'll launch. All right, today's an exciting day. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, which is uh, exciting. It means a lot of things. It means Christmas is coming, for one thing, which I know is always exciting. Um, the first Sunday of Advent, uh, Advent is four Sundays uh, leading up to Christmas. Now, Advent, if you look it up in the dictionary, is defined as the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Remember, you, you might think of something like the advent of television. Uh, that would mean, you know, when television came on the scene, when television arrived. Uh, advent, the word comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or arrival. Now, St. Jerome, when he was translating the New Testament from Greek into Latin, he translated the word Adventus as, or he translated the Greek word parousia as Adventus. And that's kind of where we got this idea of Advent. Parousia means the second coming of Jesus. And so when you think about Advent, we're thinking about two different things. We're thinking about his first coming because we build it around Christmas but we're also thinking about his first coming in the context of his second coming that he has promised to come again. And that's, that's the hope that we live with and that we live in. Now, uh, so for us today, there's both a remembering and an expectation. Uh, today, I want to walk through uh, to get us started in this season of Advent, uh, the first 11 verses of chapter 40 in Isaiah. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, uh, you can do that or you can just watch the screen. Let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, Isaiah as a book can be broken into three sections. Three sections. The chapters 1 through 39 uh, contains Judah under Assyrian dominance. It's basically what the first 39 chapters are. And then beginning at chapter 40 through chapter 55, we focus on the exile of the Jewish people to Babylon. Now, here's what you have to keep in mind, though. From chapter 39, the end of chapter 39, to the beginning of chapter 40, 100 years. So when you turn the page from 39 to 40, don't think, this is the next sentence. Uh, from chapter 39 to chapter 40, there's about a 100-year gap there. So 40 through 55 is the exile in Babylon. And then chapters 56 through 66 is Judah after 
the exile. So you got that? Okay, so you're all experts on Isaiah now. So let's read from chapter 40, beginning at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall be level, become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Now let's pray. Lord, I pray that, that you would speak to us this morning. Your, your word is alive. Your word is true. We have confidence in the truth of your word. We stand today on the promises that you have made to us. We pray that you give us ears to hear all that you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, chapter 40 is the beginning of the exile period, but it's also the beginning of the message of hope, which is, almost kind of seems like a contradiction. The people have been uh, put into exile, but the message that the Lord is telling them is a message of hope. It's actually a message of promise. Uh, there was a sense among the people that this was a permanent state, that this was a permanent condition, that it was going to last forever, that they were never going home. And the Lord is saying, my promises are true. You can count on them. Uh, when chapter 40 begins, the Jews have been in exile for about 50 years. And many of them have, have given, hope, given up hope. Uh, they're in a place of hopelessness. They're in a place of despair. Some of them have actually made the decision to just give up and worship false gods. Some of them have said, you know what? It looks like we're going to be in Babylon for the rest of our lives, so we might as well just embrace life in Babylon. We'll just embrace Babylonian culture, and we will embrace Babylonian worship. And they have turned from the Lord and begun to engage in false worship. 
Now, those who have remained faithful have remained faithful, but even they are hopeless. Because what they have decided is this is our permanent state. We are going to be punished for our sins from now on, forever. But we will, we will worship. We will worship God anyway. But they worshiped as people without hope. So this is a hopeless time. People who felt trapped, they were far from home, and, and they felt abandoned by God. And so the cry, really, of Advent is, is simply the cry of the Jewish people, are you coming? That's really what they're saying. That's the cry of their heart because they've been oppressed, and this has lasted for so long, and they're losing hope, and they're in despair, and their, their cry to the Lord is, where are you? And they cry out to him night after night after night, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Are you coming? And Jesus texts them back, <laughs> O-M-W. <laughs> right? If you're over 30... OMW means on my way. <laughs> on my way. So chapter 40 starts this message of hope. And here's the thing we have to understand about the message of hope. It's like everything in the Christian faith. He's not just saying wait for hope. He's not even just saying wait for faith. He's not even just saying, wait for breakthrough. He's saying, take action that expresses your belief. It's not just waiting for hope, but actively moving in the direction of hope. And when you go to a restaurant, you have a waiter, right, or a waitress. And they just sit in the back and wait, right? No. What do they do? <laughs> Some of them do. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. When you go to a, a restaurant, your waiter or your waitress serves you. And so what the Lord is saying is you can trust me, I am coming. In the meantime, serve me. Serve me. The posture that you need to take that says, I'm hopeful, I'm faithful, I believe, is not a posture of despair, but a posture of servanthood. I will serve you. So he's saying, actually, cry out for hope, believe for hope, proclaim hope, take steps towards hope. The message, really, for all of Isaiah's chapter 40 through 55 is God has not abandoned his people, nor has he afflicted them with permanent punishment. His promises are true. His promises are true. So I want to, I want to break down uh, the verses that we read a few minutes ago and just kind of look at that bit by bit and, and walk through it together. We'll see you later, Aubrey. 
So verses 1 and 2, basically the Lord is saying, I am here, your punishment is over. I'm here, your punishment is over. Now, how does that apply to us? Well, it applies pretty strongly to us. How many of you have at least occasionally felt guilty for the sins of your past? Yeah. And the Lord's word to you is, I'm here. Your time of punishment, your time of shame, your time of guilt is over. It's over. Verses 3 through 5, the promise is renewed. It actually says, prepare the way of the Lord. It's the same phrase that we hear coming from John, John the Baptist. Uh, prepare the way of the Lord. Now, the expectation in Jewish worship, when they gather, their expectation is that God will come. They have this high expectation for the arrival of God. That has been the context of their worship for their entire lives, is when they gather, they are expecting this is the day. This is the day. We've waited for this day our whole lives, but today is the day when actually Messiah will show up. And so we're going to worship today expecting that God will arrive. We're expecting the coming, the advent of the Messiah today. So there's this high expectation. But these people living in exile and living under oppression, they, they have begun to lose that expectation. And the Lord is saying, recover your expectation and cry out in worship expecting me to come. Now, here's how I would apply this to us. When we think of God coming, when we gather for worship, I, I think of God coming in, in three different ways. I think God is here, God is coming, and God will come. John Wesley used to say, I'm saved, I'm being saved, I will be saved. And what he meant by that was, I, I'm, I am saved. I have had this encounter with the Lord. I have repented of my sins. I've put my faith in Jesus. I am saved. I am being saved because there's a process that God is taking me through of sanctification that is changing me and molding me in, into the image of Christ. I will be saved because there is a time when Jesus will return and I will reign with him forever. And so I would say God is here. We know that God is with us. We know that God is omnipotent, that there is nowhere we can go to escape his presence. God is here. God is coming. God is coming. He is on his way, even today, to meet you in your place of need today, in this place, in this very room. He is on his way to come here, to meet you here. And he will come again. There is a day coming where Jesus will return. And we will reign with him forever. Promise renewed. Verses 6 through 8 uh, actually is a dialogue. Verses 6 through 8 is a dialogue between the Lord and Isaiah. And it makes more sense if you understand that. 
Uh, the, the Lord says, cry out. And, and Isaiah says, cry out. What for? You know, why, why cry out? Why bother? Nothing is happening. Verse 6, th- this is how we know this. Verse 6 is in the masculine singular, which means it's addressed to the prophet. And the Lord is actually saying to the prophet, you need to cry out for the people. The Lord is speaking to Isaiah the prophet, and he's saying, you need to cry out for the people because the people have lost hope, and you need to speak hope into the people. It's another way of saying you need to believe for those who, haven't, who can't believe for themselves. You need to have hope for those that have lost hope. That was the message. That was the job of the prophet was to proclaim hope even when people had lost hope. And, and I will say to you today, you are prophets and priests. You and I, not just me. I might have a piece of paper that hangs on the wall in my office that says I'm a priest. But that's not what really makes me a priest. It's the Spirit of God that lives in me that makes me a priest. And you and I, as men and women, sons and daughters of God, are prophets and priests to our friends and to our families, to our households, to our neighborhoods. And our job is to proclaim hope to the hopeless. Our job is to speak faith to those who've lost their way. Our job is to believe for those who cannot believe for themselves anymore. And so in verses 6 and 8, he says, cry out. The Lord says, cry out. And Isaiah says, why bother? A voice says, cry out, and the response comes, all is grass. Isaiah says to the Lord, everything's grass. And there was another way of saying in those days, all there is is death. Everything's dying. It's just withering and dying. All is grass. Everything dies. Why bother? And then in verses 7 and 8, we see the Lord's response. And the Lord's response is, yes, everything dies. But the word of the Lord is forever. The Lord says to Isaiah, I understand why you're discouraged. Because when you look around, you see death and you see oppression and you see all of the things that you see. But you need to understand that I am in charge. And my word never fails. And the word of the Lord is forever. Now verses 9 through 11 It's feminine singular, which means it's spoken to the congregation as a whole. And it is a call to the people to bring good news. His message to the people who are in exile, who are not free, who are not in a good place, is believe God for breakthrough. And so really, that would be the message for us today. The message that I want to bring to you today is twofold. For those of you who are walking in the goodness and the favor of the Lord, cry out on behalf of those who are struggling. 
for those of you who are walking in freedom, cry out and bring a message of hope for those who are struggling. For those of you who are struggling, for those of you who are discouraged, for those of you who feel like you've been trapped, you've been in a faraway place, and you will never make it home, the message for you today is the word of the Lord is true. It is unshakable. He is OMW. He is on his way. Help is coming. Deliverance is at your door. Believe God for breakthrough. He has not left you. I want to close with just three things about that. Number one, God is omnipotent. He's omnipotent. He's in charge of everything, y'all. Nothing can shake him. Nothing can stop him. In the context of his omnipotence, in the context of knowing that he is the king of kings, that he is the creator of everything, understand this. He has chosen you. He has chosen you. That makes you a pretty big deal. Because the God of the universe has said, you are worth my time. And I'm going to give myself to you. And I'm going to give myself to you relentlessly. Why? Why? I mean, I don't know about you, but there are days when I just ask the question, God, why? I mean, why would you be so relentless in your pursuit of me? I surely don't deserve it. And the reason is because you are his prized possession. You are his prized possession. There's a parable that Jesus told about finding a pearl of great price. As the parable goes, this man finds a pearl in a field, and he sells everything he has to go and buy this field so he can have this pearl. And, and a lot of times we read that story and we think, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Jesus is the pearl of great price. No, you are. You're the pearl. You are the pearl. Jesus is the one who gave everything so he could have you. Jesus gave everything, even his very life, so he could have you. His word is true. His promises are sure. He is on his way. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for people in this place today who are losing hope or who have lost hope. And I pray that the breath of your spirit today would renew hope, that you would birth hope in the hearts of men and women and children. 
in this place today. We love you. We trust you. We need you. Come, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray.